Med Stories, Episode 9. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I embraced that forgiveness. I chose to forgive because I believe whatever happened to me was filtered through the hand of God. and. He just, he made it clear to me that he was redirecting my destiny, that that everything I had suffered and endured was now for a greater purpose. Jake's death really illuminated my destiny and I became compelled to share the joy that God gave me in the midst of that sorrow to equip and empower other women that you too can live like this, that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. And and you can take God's joy. His grace is more than sufficient for whatever you're going through. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. Today we're continuing with part two of our conversation with Christy Johnson, a certified life coach, writer, and inspirational speaker who advocates for each of us to develop healthy souls within our relationships. In the last episode, Christy began to share with us part one of her personal mud story. And if you have not heard her share in episode eight, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the insight and wisdom Christy shares about the dangers of relationship addiction, because I think it will give you a helpful backdrop to all you need to understand where she picks up today. So, in this part two episode, Christy shares about the tragic death of her two-and-a-half-year-old son, Jake, how unforgiveness can destroy our progress in healing, and how joy and grace are possible when we face our trials. Christy's written a book born out of her time in the mud, and it's called Love Junkies, Seven Steps for Breaking the Toxic Relationship Cycle, and she shares those seven steps with us today. I want you to know that even if a toxic relationship or relationship addiction is really not an issue for you, I promise there will be something for each of us in what Christie shares today. And I'm so thrilled to share her words with you. Enjoy. So a couple of years after our divorce, um, you know, just because you get divorced doesn't mean you'll never see your your ex-husband again. Right. We had three children together. Mm -hmm. And and. We've been divorced um, 18 years now, and we still have to see each other. I mean, gra- there's graduations, there's mm-hmm. weddings. I mean, they don't just evaporate. And no. so, um, but a couple of years after we were divorced, um, my ex-husband had our children for the weekend and um, actually just our two boys. My daughter went elsewhere for the weekend and um, I didn't know that he was using again. He was... Um, mm driving under the influence. And one of our, one of my youngest son was killed in a car wreck. He was under the influence of several drugs and Christy, the, um, the grace that God gave me to face the death of my son was, was unbelievable. It was like all these little glimpses of my future that God had given me years before. And and I don't have time to go into that in this interview. I wish I did, but well, we'll have to have you back. <laughs> we'll have to have you back. It's I agree. It's a whole nother, whole nother um, 
story, uh, but such a pivotal one in your own journey, I'm sure. How old was your son? He was almost three. But the grace that God gave me and the peace that that really defied my understanding was so empowering. And Jackie, I knew that if I didn't forgive, Hmm. that all the years of the recovery, you know, recovery, it's a long and winding road, Mm -hmm. but relapse is instant. And I knew that if I didn't choose to forgive, I would have gone straight back to that wilderness of bitterness that I used Mm -hmm. to live in. And I, and the joy that God gave me that he offered me, you know, God, I believe offers his joy in the midst of our, our trials. He offers his grace, but we can choose to reject it. But I knew that I could not live. I could not breathe. And I was afraid of what bitterness would do to me. I didn't want to go back to the wilderness. And I, I embraced that forgiveness. I chose to forgive because I believe whatever happened to me was filtered through the hand of God. And Hmm. he just, he made it clear to me that he was redirecting my destiny, that, that everything I had suffered and endured was now for a greater purpose, that it was almost illuminated with Jake's death. And, and Jake's, Jake's death really illuminated my destiny. And I became compelled to share the joy that God gave me in the midst of that sorrow to equip and empower other women that you too can live like this, that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. And and you can take God's joy. His grace is more than sufficient for whatever you're going through. And I just became compelled to start speaking and writing. I mean, it's not like I ever heard God say, I want you to do this, but the message that I wanted to share was so overwhelming that that's when I knew I had to write. I had to start speaking. Well, and those are the most powerful messages of all the messages that flow out of the depth of brokenness and pain that we've endured and the way God has met us in very real ways in and through it. And um, it's it's only natural to want to share that with the world because I'm sure you're imagining as you share your story, uh, speaking or writing, there are people who are in those desperate places where you've been mm-hmm. and you want them to know that there's hope. Mm-hmm. I know that's that's been true for me too. So in discussing love junkie or being in relationships that are addicting, how can we identify if we are a love junkie, even if we're married? I mean, I'm sure these patterns can emerge even in the context of marriage. So mm-hmm. can you teach us a little bit how do I, what it is exactly, how we can identify it, and then some ways we can begin to get soul healthy or break this cycle or protect our hearts from going further down that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, you know, we talked earlier about how God gave us relationships and in many ways, love junkies are just like the rest of us. They crave relationship, but for a love junkie relationships have become an addiction. They, they use love like a drug to fill this hole in their soul. And as a result, they frequently settle for much less than what they deserve. And they, they end up in toxic relationships that never satisfy. And Mm -hmm. Even in marriage, just, I mean, if you go into a marriage with this mindset, your your man's not going to make you happy. I mean, it doesn't evaporate just because you have a wedding ring or a right. marriage certificate. So, right. I mean, I know plenty of married and miserable women and divorce mm-hmm. statistics prove that, that just because you have a marriage doesn't mean it's going to be a meaningful one. So as a love junkie, most uh, women, if they, I, in fact, I have a quiz on my website, are you a love junkie? And it's just a 
a short quiz to kind of help you self-evaluate where your areas of vulnerability are. I'd love that. I'll link to that in the show notes. So if people want to go over there and check it out, they can take your quiz. And then also on my webs, on um, there's a soul assessment tab to go along with the book. There's an additional seven quizzes, one for each of the seven steps that women can take to evaluate, to self-evaluate their areas of vulnerability within each of the seven steps. That way they can pick one or two of these steps that they really want to zero in and target and set some goals with the action steps listed in the book. Like these are my areas of weaknesses. These are where I've been put down before. So these are the areas I want to strengthen. So there's an additional seven quizzes there as well that go along with the book. But some of the common lies, some of the common characteristics of love junkies, women tell themselves things like, it's normal to feel pain and love. I mean, we have to tell ourselves these lies to camouflage the chaos once it erupts, you know, once we become aware after the, the blind spot, the blinders have been lifted off of our eyes and we see these things in our spouse or our boyfriend that we didn't like, um, we have to tell ourselves lies, you know, I can change him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I settled for fixer uppers, you know, that works really good when you're working <laughs> with houses, but not with relationships. Oh, fixer uppers, that's awesome. Oh. I fell in love with the potential. Yeah. And then we tell ourselves things like he's really not that bad. He doesn't mean to do the things he does. And he says he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, and so then they stay stuck in these relationships. And they, some of us tell ourselves lies like it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. There must be something wrong with me. This is the best I can do. I deserve this. Yeah. Well, and then we get stuck. Mm-hmm. Stuck in a relationship that is not what we want, but uh, feeling powerless over how to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are some of the lies we believe. How do you think we can move toward identifying the lies and becoming more soul healthy? Because really it's about, I think your, your message is you, Christy had to deal with Christy. Mm-hmm. Christy had to quit worrying about her husband and his mm-hmm. issues because he had enough to deal with on his own. Right. So tell me about ways that we can try to look introspectively at what we need to work on before we can move forward to helping our partners move on. Well, I'm glad you brought up that term soul healthy, because as a Christian, I knew I was supposed to manage my spiritual life. You know, I was supposed to pray and read the word and worship And yet I neglected my soul health, but there's three parts of us. We have a body and we know how important it is to take care of our physical body. We have a spiritual life, but we also have a soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions. And if those are a train wreck, it doesn't matter how many scriptures we have memorized. We're (laughs) going to be filtered through our emotions that are toxic and we're not going to believe the scripture. We're not going to believe the truth or we're not going to know how to apply it. And I think it was such an eye opener for me when I started writing Love Junkies, because the word when I started really researching the word soul and about our soul health and is God really interested in our soul life is is our um, is God really interested in our soul health or is it more spiritual to just read the Bible? Hmm. And I was surprised when I found out that the Bible mentions the word spirit 456 times. But the Bible mentions the word soul 432 times. So clearly Mm. God is interested in our soul health. And if we want to be able to, you know, apply the word of God to our life, 
we've got to learn how to not just memorize scripture, but actually exercise the truth that mm-hmm. God's given us. And so the seven steps in my book um, were real foundational in my life. And I, I made an acronym to help me remember what those seven steps are. <laughs> I love acronyms. Yes. Um, the seven steps are based on an acronym, If I Pray. And so the first acronym, the first I stands for identity. And when I started writing the chapter on identity, I got kind of confused because I tried to find the word identity in the Bible. And I had heard so much in church, your identity needs to be established in Christ. But when I tried to find the word identity in the Bible, it wasn't there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now what? And what the Lord <laughs> showed me is that what we so frequently call identity, the Bible calls our hope, our confidence, and our trust. Yes. And for me, my hope, confidence, and trust was always in my relationship. And whenever that relationship disappointed me, my hope, confidence, and trust was shattered. And I was like a yo-yo up and down all the time emotionally. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I learned how to put my identity or my hope, confidence, and trust in God that I was stable, that my life wasn't tossed to and fro anymore by mm-hmm. the circumstances or the things that my husband did or didn't do or my expectations and where they met or not. And, and that's when God began bringing some stability into my life is when I learned how to put my identity in him. Because he is unchanging. Yes. 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 Okay. So identity in Christ. Yes. Right. And then the F, the next uh, letter stands for F and that stands for forgiveness and I, I kind of touched on that already, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much time we have left, so I'm not going to like elaborate on that. But the next I stands for imagination, because the Bible says that without vision, we perish. And remember when I was telling you as a young girl, my dad would always say, you can't do that whenever I'd express a dream or a desire. And, and so I learned how to put a lid on that imagination and that vision that God had given me for my life. But as I learned how to reestablish and learned who I was, um, God began restoring that vision for my life, that imagination, and showed me how to align my imagination with his word and his truth. You know, Jackie, I had so much negative self-talk. Hmm. And psychologists say that we think 60,000 thoughts a day and that 98% of them are repeat offenders. <laughs> so if we have negative, toxic thoughts going on in our mind, like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I'm, I'm so unworthy, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. We're just, we are, we're bashing ourselves and, and we are what we think. Well, and sometimes we have to not just try to, out of our own sheer will, get rid of thoughts like that. We have to drive new thoughts in their place. Yes. And that's what spending time in the Word of God is all about, so that we can get into God's love letter for us, read what He says, uh, read who He is, who He says we are, and get those thoughts replaced, not just tossed, right? Absolutely. That's right. I mean, you cannot just get rid of a thought. You have to replace it. And I, I use what I call the Philippians 4-8 test because um, it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are right, mm-hmm. if anything's pure, lovely, and admirable, think on these things. And so I had to be intentional about selecting thoughts that were allowed to enter my mind so that, mm-hmm. honestly, when I had a negative thought come, I already had something there to replace it with. Because you can't just erase your mind. Your mind, it cannot be vacant. You have to intentionally 
supply your brain with thoughts to think about. And that was so hard for me at first. Very hard. And that's where I think God meets us in our weakness. You know, if we ask, you know, like just Lord, I am having such a struggle with this, with this, you know, train of thought. Can you please help me as mm-hmm. I read your word? Help me to remember it. Help your Holy Spirit to bring it to my attention to mm-hmm. really exercise that practice of surrender. And he's faithful to do that. He really is. Okay. So identity, forgiveness, imagination, P. P stands for pray. And pray. I know I felt like such a flunky at prayer. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought there was only one real way to pray. Well, because we think it has to be all proper and like yes. quiet for like 30 minutes. Like in, in actuality, we can pray at the stoplight for the five seconds our kids are quiet <laughs> in the you. car, right? Thank you. Because <laughs> sometimes some yes. of us mamas, that's all we have. <laughs> exactly. And so I put yeah. this standard on myself that I felt so inadequate. And I honestly, when I would sit down in my comfy chair with my Bible, most of the time I fell asleep, Jackie. I, I know. And then I, I felt so, We're so tired, aren't we? I'm such a loser. I can't oh. pray. And, and that's when the Lord showed me, Chrissy, I'm with you all day long. Yep. You can talk to me anywhere. You can mm-hmm. talk to me in the shower. There's nobody bothering you in there. You can talk to me in the car. Yep. You know, I'm everywhere. And I don't just talk through the Bible. I, I'm a little more creative than that. You know, what about the, what about two centuries ago? I mean, 2000 years ago, before there was a written word, how did I speak to people then? I speak through nature. I speak through my beauty. I mm-hmm. speak through circumstances, through music, through exercise. Yep. Yep. Um, there's so many different ways to hear God speak than just to read his word. And if we learn to recognize him in that way, we have these most awesome conversations because prayer is not about us making all presenting all of our requests to God. It's about then being quiet and listening to what he wants to say back right. to us. Exactly. And I've found that journaling my prayers is something that helps me stay awake, mm-hmm. that helps me focus. And sometimes my pen will just be going and all of a sudden a thought or a dream mm-hmm. or a desire or an enlightenment comes out in my pen that I didn't even realize I had in my heart. And for me, journaling periodically well, even regularly, has been really helpful in learning how to pray too. So I think there's just so many different ways we can, I think the the point is when, when the Bible talks about praying continually, it's an attitude of our heart, mm-hmm. not a, you know, logistic of how our lips are moving, right? <laughs> so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So P is prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay. R stands for resolve. And for me, um, the, the thing I talk about in my book mostly is my purity issues, because as a love junkie, <laughs> I was used to trading sex for approval and affirmation. And when I um, got divorced, I knew I wasn't supposed to be sleeping around. And I'm sure most women know that's a no-no. And all my life I had heard, you shouldn't do that. Sex is a no-no. Bad girl. You know, mm-hmm. so this is the mentality that I, um, you know, started dating again with and Honestly, though, even though that was my intention was to stay pure, eventually temptation overcame me and I, I started sleeping around and, and it wasn't until I met my husband. Um, and initially when we first started dating, we, we fell and we, we started sleeping together, but the Lord gave me a revelation one day. He said, Christy, he said, there's a blessing that I want to give you and John. But the only way you can get this blessing is to abstain. Hmm. And I had never heard it put 
so beautifully. I was like, a blessing? You have a gift, a surprise you want to give me? Oh, I wonder mm-hmm. what it is. And I, yep. I thought, man, it must be pretty stinking spectacular if it's better than the sex I'm supposed to give up. <laughs> it, I had never heard it put in a positive way. It was always a negative scolding finger. And that revelation combined with my own willpower gave me the resolve to wait. Yeah. And that was the first time in my life that I'd ever done that. And so I think that's why I'm so passionate about my chapter on resolve, because if we try to do everything in our own strength and our own willpower, eventually we're going to break down. But if we add divine revelation to our willpower, then we can maintain resolve for anything. I love that you're talking about that because I experienced the same thing. My husband and I, we had had an affair. And when our divorces happened, we made a resolve to stop sleeping together for that year before we got married. And I can't tell you how foundational that was to the beginning of our relationship together these last 14 years. And um, there's power in resolve. And I love that you're talking about it because I've experienced the same thing for sure. And the the other thing that was so powerful that I didn't realize, here's what the gift was. The gift was that because we laid aside our physical relationship we developed our spiritual foundation during Mm -hmm. our courtship or during the time we dated so that when we got married and those storms came, we had developed our spiritual oneness that gave us a strong foundation to fight those, those storms because the storms will come. Well, and it it builds respect for one another too, because Mm -hmm. you know, you know, when you're both trying to reconnect with God and build your relationships with God, then there's a respect that comes by having a resolve to follow what God wants for us, not because he wants to ruin us and take away something amazing, but because he knows that it'll save us from pain and it'll mm-hmm. set us up to have the most blessed, joy-filled life mm-hmm. that that he can give. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the respect grows as we watch each other um, grow in our relationships with God, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So resolve. So we're down to the A, two more letters, A and Y. The A stands for accountability. Uh, Um, So big. (laughs) For me, if it weren't for women that were coming alongside me, mentoring me, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't have, I would, even after I got married, um, because when I had issues in my marriage, I needed someone that I could be held accountable to somebody who could mentor me, tell me the truth. And we all have blind spots when it comes to romance and relationships. And, but you know, a blind spot in your vehicle, you have a rear view mirror for that. That's your accountability in a car. And it's not that you keep your eyes fixed on your rear view mirror. You just glance at it occasionally to avoid destruction in your future. And that's what accountability is for us too. We don't like, you know, pass every move or talk to, you know, every single thing that we do, we don't pass it by our accountability partner. But when we have those issues and, you know, we want to make sure we avoid destruction again, we need that accountability to warn us, to show us where our blind spots are. Right. And if people don't have those safe people yet, you know, having the patience to wait and then have the insight and Holy Spirit infused wisdom to find 
that kind of accountability person who's going to not only have your back and protect your best interest, but also protect the best interest of your marriage too. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and not be afraid to tell you, Christy, you are totally messing it up. Like right. John's not the problem here, Christy. You yes. are Because we can have girlfriends who are, you know, who very easily undermine our marital relationships. And I think it's important to have those accountability people be people who are champions of our marriage and who help us along the way be the best people we can be, even if their message of accountability with us is difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about getting someone to vent and just listen to our problems and commiserate with us. And right. go, oh, I'm so sorry, but someone that will tell us the truth. I'll never forget the day that my accountability partner, um, I called her up and I was so mad. <laughs> I was madder than I've ever been. I was so mad. I thought everything was John's fault. And she just said, Christy, it really doesn't matter who's right or wrong here, but can you overlook an offense? Hmm. And oh my gosh, that just was like a dagger. I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) And I knew she was right. But those are the kind of women we need, women that aren't afraid to tell us the truth when we need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And lastly, the why, what does the why stand for? The why stands for yes, or yielding every step. Um, You know, I had a plan for my life and God had a plan for my life. And for a long time, those two plans were two different plans. And it's not until we ask God, you know, what, what are your plans for my life? Because my plan was to be a successful businesswoman. I got my degree in finance. I got an MBA and I was, um, planning on after John and I got married, I was going back to work after, you know, staying at home with my children for 10 years. And, and I was going to make all this money and be a bank and be a commercial loan officer. And Mm. that wasn't God's plan. But, um, so we have to have the ability to hear his voice and and heed his direction for our life and, and to yield our lives to him because the plans that he has for us are so much more amazing than anything I could have ever dreamt up on my own. Yeah. Okay. Well, Christy, it's been such a delight talking to you. Um, Just to hear your heart and your message. It's just such an important message. I think that so many need to hear at whatever stage in relationship we are, whether we're single or married or whatnot. And um, tell us where you are now with your family really quick before we go. Like you've been married for how many years you have? How many kids? Like I know we're doing um, this backwards at the end, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I want everyone to know. And then w- tell us after that, how we can find you online and what resources you um, have available and that you can recommend. Yeah. Okay. Well, John and I have been married for 15 years. I have three children from my first marriage and he has one. We are now empty nesters. We just um, moved into a new home that we built recently and it's it was like having a baby together, Jackie. It was, it was the funnest thing we ever that. did. We didn't have children together, but we built this house together. And it, it's just such a new season in our life. Um, our kids are all grown adults now. Brittany's 28, Melissa's 27, Garrett's 21. And hmm. of course, Jake um, will forever be two. But um, we're just enjoying life right now. John has supported my vision to write since day one. Um, we were married a month and he passed me a note in church and he just, he knew that God had redirected my life and given me this burning passion to write. And, and he just passed me a note and said, you need to quit your job. And so he's been the, 
the number one supporter of my vision. He's, he's told me that, that his purpose in life is to see my purpose fulfilled. Mm. And what a, what a commitment to sacrifice that is. It's, it's so incredible. So really I consider everything I've written to be a joint venture, even though it's my words, I couldn't have done it without his support and and his yielding every step to mm-hmm. what God's plan is for our life collectively. Because honestly, Jackie, I wouldn't have picked John. He wasn't my type. I mean, I wanted someone older, sophisticated <laughs> and well-established. And John was, he's a couple of years younger. I'm not a cougar. So when I, when I say he's younger <laughs> than me, I need to clarify. <laughs> he's a little bit younger. He's a little goofy. And he was back in college when I met him. I'm like, really God, that's not what I ordered. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's great. But, um, we, we've just, I'm so thankful for him. We've, like I said, we've been married 15 years and, um, just enjoying life right now. Um, so where can we find you online? Um, my website is christyjohnson.org and there's like five different ways to spell Christy, but I think most of your <laughs> audience probably knows how to spell Christ. So yes. <laughs> and then they just put a Y on it. So I spell okay. my name C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, christyjohnson.org. Um, there's a link for my book on there. Um, but my book, Love Junkies, Seven Steps for Breaking the Toxic Relationship Cycle is available on Amazon. It'll soon be in Mardell and Lifeway and it's in other bookstores around the country. So, um, even if women aren't a love junkie, but they have a passion to empower other women, I've, I'm creating a leader's kit and some videos this summer to, to go along with the book so that women who have a passion to help other women can um, use the book and the leader's guide to start a small group so they can really, we've got to train the next generation of women how to establish healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And our daughters too, to teach yes. our daughters healthy self-talk and to really encourage and empower them, not with an inflated view of self, but with a healthy right. view and how to learn to commune with Christ and um, get that soul identity of who they are in Christ well-formed mm-hmm. in their young lives. So right. I think it's a, so important. So, well, great. I will link to all of that in the show notes. And Christy, I can't thank you enough for coming and sharing your mud story and ways that we can learn to be better women and wives and men who love God and who are becoming more soul healthy with each and every day. Amen. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Christy. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's a wrap for our time with Christy Johnson. And didn't you just love her? I just love her heart and her story and her message and how she is just longing to inspire us to get healthy and whole with our relationships. And so as usual, you can find the show notes and all the links for this episode over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode nine. And I will have links to Christy's quiz called Are You a Love Junkie? So you can check that out. And also a link to her assessment for our souls to see how really soul healthy we are. Also, if you've enjoyed these episodes, I would so appreciate it if you would be willing to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review, or you can go and leave one over at Stitcher Radio also. And if you have just one friend you can think of that you could share this podcast with, I'd just be so thankful because it's by word of mouth and sharing and um, 
ratings and reviews that our podcast can get more exposed and shown to more people and they can be more encouraged when they're in the midst of their mud. And so that's my heart that this podcast would be an encouragement to anyone who would listen to know that they are not alone. So again, thank you so much for listening. I know there are so many things you could be doing today and yet you chose to be here with me. I do not take it for granted. I appreciate each and every one of you, any of you who have left a rating or review or who have shared on social media, who are helping spread the word about mud stories. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much. So today, no matter what we're facing, where we've been, or what lies ahead, may we all find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. Never in you, mother, feels a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never any mother fails to press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you song